Welcome, y'all, to the Nuga Bell Show, a podcast all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, the Southern food and lifestyle blogger behind athoughtandahalf.com, based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. The Nuga Bell Show is a place where people from all walks of life can share their stories of life in the South as they have lived, seen, and experienced it. So pour yourself a glass of sweet tea or a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode of the Nuga Bell Show. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Nuga Bell podcast. This is episode 10. We're in double digits now and I'm so excited. So I figured we'll do something really cool for episode 10, and I'm back here with my friend William Glass, who is on episode one, and we are joined by local comedian and small business owner Donnie Marsh. Welcome to the show. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Donnie Marsh. Great radio voice. Thanks. (laughs) Great radio face. Mm. So we've heard William's story about how he ended up in Chattanooga in episode one, which I'll link in the show notes. So Donnie, how did you end up in Chattanooga? Well, I'll just tell you right now, if you haven't listened to the first nine episodes, none of this is going to make sense because (laughs) I'm really building off of every previous episode. So, you know, it's a lot of Easter eggs. But uh, no, I I ended up in Chattanooga six and a half years ago. Um, I, as a kid, I enjoyed vacations in eastern Tennessee uh, because it's a great cheapskate place to go on vacation if you're from Florida. Uh, I grew up in Gainesville and everything is flat. It's a drain swamp with pine trees on all directions and no breeze and you're an hour and a half away from the beach. It's great. Anyway, (laughs) um, we would come up here and it would just be, oh, it was nice. So um, fun fun thing. I actually went on uh, our honeymoon here with my now ex-wife and then we had such a good time that we moved up here. And then a few years later, she more or less dropped me off and moved back uh, to Florida. So that's what's what's brought me here. But I really liked it. I went to UTC, got my finance degree and uh, just graduated last year, mid thirties. Congrats. Just just killing it. (laughs) That's like what, 11 or 12 victory laps, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I and I, um, the first thing I did when I got to Chattanooga was I got an internship at CoLab because uh, I was having a hard time finding a job. Actually, the last job I interviewed for was a nine dollar an hour hotel security job that would take place in the middle of the night, and I uh. thought to myself. I could probably create my own job that was better than that and would be flexible with school. So I grew up doing pressure washing and window cleaning and I started. But where would you get those like name engraved mace bottles that they (laughs) give the $9 an hour rent-a-cops? Those. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd find them on the street, Um, you know, (laughs) empty, completely empty. (laughs) And, and inflate the prices are super inflated on the black market. Follow the screams. Uh, that's where the deals are. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, started a new view window cleaning and I've been doing uh, window cleaning and pressure washing for myself. Uh, just grew up doing that with my dad's business and brought that trade with me up here. Did and it's you been al- wonderful. Did you always think you would start your own business or is that a more like later decision in your life? Uh, it was a decision out of desperation. I assumed that I would, if I were to run a business, I would accidentally do a million illegal things. <laughs> Um, most of my business ideas are in fact illegal I've discovered, but <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, w- I went to, I mean, at CoLab at the, the internship I did there, uh, they're like a, a nonprofit that helps small mm-hmm. businesses start up. 
and just being there and interviewing people that they were helping, you know, I, I contributed to the blog there. Um, it just sort of demystified that process for me. And I thought I could actually probably do this. You know, the hard part for me is not doing the work, you know, cause I have a lot of experience doing that. It's just going out and getting the jobs and promoting the business and, you know, um, window cleaning and pressure washing is such a word of mouth mm-hmm. thing, you know, cause I'm going in people's houses right? and it's nice for them to have been referred like, yeah, you can let Donnie in your house and he won't do anything too weird. Yeah. <laughs> too weird. Yeah. The sad part though, is that because you went to co-starters now, if you commit tax fraud, it was intentional. Yeah. I think you get one where you're like, I, I didn't know I couldn't do that. How was I to know? <laughs> no, it's actually, oh, this is a pretty easy business to collect taxes in it because I don't have to collect sales tax. So I just have to make sure that I have money left over at the end of the year to, you know, throw it Uncle Sam. Yep. Just mm. set it on fire. Yeah. That's it's okay. not bad. No, 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 no. And it's, it's better than... I mean, I, I finished my finance degree, but then I realized that most of my friends who got their finance degree had to work in finance. Yeah. <laughs> I it's didn't terrible. want to do that. So that's so um, boring. It'd be, you just wish that they would like let you know in advance, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you get your finance degree, when, before you enroll, like when you do this, you're going into a career. Yeah. It's not at all signaled by the name of this major. No, no. I mean, it's nice to know how to speak the language and yeah. stuff and know how. Taking the classes was like, oh, now I realize why I didn't get that bank loan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's why I was thrown out of there. (laughs) It turns out having a two-digit credit score is not good. No, no. Like, I thought it was like 21, you know? Like, you know, you get to 19 and you're like, yes, I'm about to win. But it turns out that a credit score of 19 is counterproductive. If they say, uh, we'd like to see your business plan, it should not be, like, written on a a napkin. Here's a napkin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you're a business owner. So do you, how do you like when people do people do this? Cause it happens to me all the time. People are like, you say, Oh, I'm a business owner. And they're like, how do you like those tax deductions? What? <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. The 14 cents that I got to, you know, deduct from my taxes versus your, you know, employee tax benefit. Yeah, you're right. I'm really, I'm really robbing the government blind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's the, the paid time off that, that really gets to me. So like I was telling you earlier, I'm you know, about to go on vacation yep. to Italy. And yep. I feel like the biggest jerk complaining <laughs> about it, but I'm missing out on business while I'm here mm-hmm. in addition to the cost of the trip. Yeah. And so my girlfriend is like, Oh, you can't go to Italy and just spend three days. We got to make a, make a thing of it. It's got to yeah. be nine days. You, you got to make so, the flight over there worth it. I, which, right. which is true, but I, I'm, I'm going to be trying right. not to itch the whole time. Yeah, like, so, well, uh, so break it down. So Etruscan village would just cost me $600. <laughs> so you're spending the money to go, right? It's yeah. like however much on the plane tickets and then mm-hmm. however much on like whatever else you do there. But then for you, because you don't have paid time off, you're thinking about the money you're not making. Yes. How much in terms of percent, how much does that, does it like make the trip one and a half times expensive or how much? Well, the, Good thing is the better a place you go to, the less you mind. So Italy should be fine. I've never been there. Everyone says, like a lot of people say like, oh, it's their favorite place to visit. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll get over it. Good thing it's not like Providence, Rhode Island. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Why am I insulting the good people of Providence? I've never (laughs) even been there. I feel like there's a story I'm missing here. Dumb and Dumber starts there. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. Come on. It's the, the, the. A sheep 
truck or thing. A dog van. Dog. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Lloyd. The Italians are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the Italians or the French? They're the French. Yeah. But yeah, it, it'll be, it, it's, it's a little distracting. Yeah, just at all times when you... Or you just know you're leaving money on the table. So, like, all fun costs me twice as much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, now that you have a finance degree, like, you actually understand the real costs of things, whereas before you were blissfully ignorant. So now you're, like, you're actually able to think in detail about all the money that something costs when you buy it. And when you tell your fellow comedian friends, just like, oh, man, you know, if you really think about the compound interest on this... uh, On this paddleboard trip we're taking, it would make you furious. Yeah. And they're like, you're a psycho. I had the same experience with a freestyle rap battle. I, I tried to do, you know, I tried to go into like riffing on finance. <laughs> it turns out the guy turned out my grandmother and that was it. <laughs> it was done. He, the rap I made up about finance was not as interesting oh. as the rap he made up about my grandmother. Oh, God. I can see that. Yeah. Turns out I lost. It was a painful experience. It's part of why I'm in Chattanooga. What, <laughs> what did he say? He said that she costs twice as much. <laughs> if you know the real cost. Oof. That's pretty good. Oh my. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, I love you, Grandma. <laughs> God rest your soul. <laughs> so you mentioned your comic friends. Yes. So you are also a stand-up comedian here in Chattanooga. I am. How did you get into that? I was one of those people who like a lot of my friends always told me I should do stand up, mm-hmm. but I never did because again, there was, there really wasn't a place to do it where I was from. And I didn't think there was a place to do it here either. I, I, and I also had always had friends who were funnier than I was and none of them did stand up. So I thought, well, what right do I have? You know, like who do I think I am to, to look for it? But I was, I mean, I always loved comedy, uh, read a lot of, you know, books, but I mean, there are two autobiographies of Groucho Marx, for mm-hmm. instance, I've read both of them. <laughs> and, um, I grew up going to the public library and, you know, watching like old Saturday night live, you know, tapes and things like that. <clears throat> yes. Tapes children. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. So eventually I was on this economic symposium in New York where not on it, I was at it. I was president of the finance club at UTC and they flew a bunch of us students by which I mean like me and people 15 years younger than me. (laughs) And one of the speakers was the vice president of the Royal bank of Canada. His Hmm. name was Mike Jacobs. He just actually passed away last year, but he was the only interesting speaker at the whole thing. Oh man. And I read his bio and I was like, who is this guy? And it turned out that it it said in, in his bio that in his spare time, over the last 30 years, he had opened for Richard Lewis. You know, it's... Casual. Yeah, just like, oh, by the way, you know, he was a good friends with it. Probably was his, you know, unofficial financial advisor, too. But um, I went up how and, it goes. Yeah. That's how you and, get your opening spot. It's like, <laughs> hey, I can save you $40,000 on your tax bill this year if you let me open for you at the Bellage. Can you imagine being a comedian and the horror you would feel if the guy who did your taxes was just like... By the way, I've never brought this up before, but uh, <laughs> I have some jokes I would like to read to you now. <laughs> <laughs> Just start slipping down into your chair and your eyes roll back. Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing. You don't know this, actually, but once upon a time, I was the host of a, of a now defunct podcast that Donnie killed um, <laughs> by being the second guest on it. I thought he, it was the fourth. I think you were number two. Maybe you were number four, but either way, it didn't last long because Donnie killed it. Um, <laughs> you let a comedian go, go get loose on the name of your podcast, and it could go really bad. 
So, but before Donnie killed it, he told this story about this guy from the Royal Bank of Canada. <laughs> so I reached out to the guy after this show. I was like, oh, I've got to, I, this guy needs to know that he's made a big difference in Donnie's life. And also it'd be awesome if he would like let people know that there's a podcast that features him. And it turned out he was dead. <laughs> I was going to say he, he, he died. So I reached out to his LinkedIn and like, I didn't oh. hear for like a month, maybe two. What and then jerk. like, eventually his assistant reaches back and says, I'm sorry, he's dead. <laughs> like four words. Uh. I'm sorry, he's dead. And I was like, this is either like, like, I mean, either I've really stumbled into something bad here or he is a savage. Like, <laughs> I didn't know he was actually dead. So I thought perhaps he was just really, really like playing it straight. You know, like if you were in LinkedIn, you got connect contacted by someone you didn't want. Like, what was the way to put that oh, to end right away? I want to tell so many people I'm dead. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Me too. He's dead. <laughs> it's like that. What's that? Um, There's like that four. I think it was Ernest Hemingway did it, right? It was like a. It was like a short story competition. I know, yeah. And six Hemingway words. did it. Six words, right? Like for, for sale, sale, baby shoes, never, never worn. worn. Right. Yep. So I was like, I reached out to this guy. He's like, uh, I'm sorry, he's dead. <laughs> it's like never worn. <laughs> <laughs> I was a creative writing major in undergrad. We mm. used that a lot. That was a lot of like, get your creative juices flowing. Here's an example. Write a six word story, and we would all just be like, nobody. Can no, do that. nobody can do that. That was just Hemingway. <laughs> My friend picked up his kid from daycare last week. I know. Wait, Hemingway's but, kid? No, 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 not Hemingway's. Does Hemingway, well, Hemingway, one of Hemingway's 304 children. <laughs> no, my friend picked up his own child from oh. daycare That's and they gave him a note and it said, uh, <laughs> it said, no nap. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's almost as good. <laughs> That would have been like me in kindergarten. I never slept during nap time. Your child is a ticking time bomb. We're so sorry, but you should apologize to us. So anyway, that guy from RBC, I felt so bad. He's like, yeah. I just stumbled into like reaching out to a dead guy on LinkedIn with like no, like I obviously didn't do my homework, but I, it was like my ignorance had like this tiny bit of nobility in it of like wanting to let this guy know that he had, he had mattered so much to Donnie that Donnie had like literally become a stand-up comedian because of his influence. I was like, man, I would want to know that if I like had a two minute conversation that made a dude, you know, bore people to sleep for the next five years, um, <laughs> under the guise of telling him <laughs> jokes, I'd want to know. He was, he was the last person. He was the last straw. I'd been told a couple times in the past year by a couple other people that I should, but the thing that he said that made it, that really made an impact was I said, yeah, but I live in Chattanooga. I mean, there's really no place not really knowing, knowing what I was talking about. And he said, there's always a place. Like, there's always a place. You can go find it. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, so I, I just did some digging around, you know, Chattanooga comedy, just Googled it. And I'd looked for it before, and the YouTube videos I saw were so bad yeah. that it made me not want to look anymore. <laughs> I, was like, I feel oh, that. Clearly no one in Chattanooga knows what funny means. Well, I think somebody had just, they'd kind of recorded themselves as... Like, like in their first year of doing it and it was just like a rough draft and and it was clear that this was in a room where there were no consequences and no expectations. Yeah. You know, now I'm at that show every Wednesday. Yeah, right. <laughs> Judges! <laughs> but, uh, well, the thing is, it, it's gotten a lot better. Like every once in a while, a comic from back then will post, like, here was the list and it's like seven people. Yeah. And it's the same seven people every yeah. single time and yeah. you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And now the list is, you know, like, 23 people long a lot of times and yeah. I have to cut people from it and ever changing. Well, yeah. And it's just more competitive. 
Competition is good. Is it, it's interesting, like, when you have those moments where it really doesn't always even matter who the person is or whether they have, like, real influence over you, but, like, when somebody finally gives you permission to do something yeah. that you've really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, you just, you think, you have these, like, weird mental barriers that say, I just can't do this, whatever it is, and then, like, somebody just comes up and says, unlock, and then you're mm-hmm. like, oh. Yeah, I think the idea was that he had such a balanced life mm-hmm. and was getting so much else done there, there was absolutely no excuse. Yeah. So, because I guess I, I'd, I'd always thought that to be a comedian, you had to be borderline homeless living out of a van for 20 right. years. And even then you probably don't make it. <laughs> but he was like, no, you can just do it and still. You can be, you can you be an executive and yeah. be a comedian. But years later, I looked up his videos uh, and he stunk. <laughs> Is that true, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> His videos actually weren't that good. Um, he was a very entertainer speak, uh, entertaining speaker in the moment, but <laughs> I looked up. Well, he was in his mid-60s. I mean, like, his comedy wasn't for me. Yeah. You know? It was like 2000, I think the video was like from 2012, and he was wearing a sport coat. Yeah. Like it was the 80s. Uh-huh. And everything. And it's like, well, this is how he dresses all the time. And like, that's casual for him. And he was just telling... I don't know, just like jokes that felt dated. Yeah. Like, you know, he was yeah. a really funny guy. So it was like person. the epitome of you had to be there 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know, very influential. And then I, I just, I went to the comedy catches open mic. This was the first time just, just to watch who was on stage and just to see like, okay, if I go up, will I at least not be the worst person? <laughs> and I found that, no, I would not be. That's really That's great. Good. That's yeah. validating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank God you didn't try this in like, you know, Brooklyn or something. I mean, you know, you, you probably would never have started. Well, a, a corollary to the, uh, the Royal Bank of Canada vice president thing about like, there's always a place to do it. There are bad comedians everywhere. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, and, and uh, it, it being a big city just means that there's more of them, you know, there, now there's more good comedians and the, the highs are higher, yeah. but the lows can be. Very, very bad. Where do you think you, I mean, so you, you're clearly pretty conscious about, you know, not wanting to be the worst and knowing who's good and who's bad, which I appreciate because a lot of people treat comedians as if they're really, there's no such thing as a bad comedian. It's just like, you don't get their context. This is a dangerous question, I guess, but where do you (laughs) think you actually place in Chattanooga? Are you among the best? Are you in the first tier? Are you? I'm tied for fourth. Fourth? (laughs) That's very specific. Yeah. With whom? Mm. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. Um, Asking the hard Somebody's going to get mad. <laughs> no, I, no, my, my goal, if I'm on an open mic, my goal is to be in my mind, one of the top three. I don't know. I don't know how often I hit that, honestly, but that's my goal. Like I, I don't, cause we've got a lot of talent here. And it, if you're, if you're going up every night trying to be the best, it, you'll be depressed. Because there might just be somebody who's consistently really good or somebody who's just hot that night. Mm-hmm. They've written some really good new material. They're delivering it with conviction. And it's, and it's a case of the right comic meeting the right crowd and they can just do no wrong. Mm. Like the, the best that I did for a really long time was after I'd only been doing it eight months and I got on stage at, the, at a competition at the Comedy Catch and there were a couple hundred people in there and I got an applause break halfway through the set and it, I was taken aback. Like I had to pause and I was just like, 
looking around <laughs> in amazement, like this never happens. <laughs> like, I've told that joke a bunch of times and I didn't expect it to land that hard. I didn't even think it was that funny, but that crowd did. And a lot of times it's the opposite. I'll tell a joke that I think is funny and mm -hmm. has worked before. And the audience is kind of like, is there more to that? That's not the end of the joke, is it? And it feels <laughs> like you're setting up for something that's going to be funny. Yeah. That wasn't it. <laughs> this is an allegory for my whole comedy career. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm well, setting up for something yeah. that will be funny one day. Yeah. No, well, more or less. Um, but yeah, no, we've local comics and like, comics everywhere. I think in every scene have a lot of fun debating like well, what really counts the most in comedy. Like, is it consistency? Is it, you know, how high your peaks are? There are probably, you know, 15 comics in town who are capable of being the funniest comic that night. Mm -hmm. And I've, and I've seen it happen. But some are just like way more consistent. And some people like I guess I'm trying to be like, you know, top three or four every single time if right. I can. And I'm trying to get more disciplined in that, too. And like it, treating even <laughs> like there was a show recently where I did like a lot better than I had in a while. And there were some people who just started doing comedy in the last year who came up to me like surprised. And they were like, you were really good tonight. <laughs> And I thought, oh, I haven't been trying hard enough lately. <laughs> like, I just kind of thought everybody remembered I was pretty good. <laughs> and so I've just been kind of eh, fooling around sometimes. And, I, you know, I'd, I'd gotten lazy at the open mics. Now, if I'm on a show that people are paying for, like, I'm doing my very best every right. time. But if it's a free open mic, then I don't know. It just reminded me that, like, you know, even this... I mean, deserves your utmost respect because if for no other reason than like other comics are forming their opinions about you based on how you did. Right. So. So aside from open mics and stuff like that, how do comedians practice? Like, do you stand in front of a mirror and like practice your delivery or is it like more formal than that? Or is it different for everyone? I don't, I, I mean, I don't personally do that. I think, I mean, there are certainly comics. I think that's the exception. Mm -hmm. like it's a small minority who rehearse in front of a mirror. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a lot of comics before shows just like kind of quietly muttering to themselves what I hope is their act. <laughs> <laughs> um, but come um, to find out. It, it depends on what background they're talking they have to, to. They're talking to Walter. If, uh, <laughs> if a comic has like a theater background yeah. where they're used to reciting a monologue a lot, then they'll tend to recite their stuff a lot beforehand. Um, most of us use a cheat sheet of some kind, mm -hmm. whether it's just like an, an outline, like, um, one comic showed me, um, and he's been doing it for many, many years, but he has a laminated, <laughs> um, not outline, but almost like a checkerboard mm -hmm. with just like one or two words in each square. And he just brings it up there with him and it, it's not that big, but he just sets it on the stage along with his beer. And he mm -hmm. says, every once in a while, I'll lean over. It's like when I lose my place, I'll lean over, take a sip of the beer, but I'm looking down at that note. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. And he's like, no one catches it. Oh, and that's a genius. So like on that stool that a lot of comics have, there's a, a little card or an outline or something. So. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to remember that. So it's not, I mean, if you ever do it, you don't have to go up there and do three to five minutes your first time in an open mic, just winging it. Like, right. Don't do that. I mean, you can, uh, at an open mic, you'll, you'll always see 
I mean, most of the comics bring a small notebook and like blatantly look at it. You know, that's <laughs> it's okay. It's more important to be funny mm-hmm. than it is to seem spontaneous. Sounds like me in public speaking class in college. Yeah, because everybody watching <laughs> you is just like, I mean, for the most part, is like, oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, and so they're already impressed. You don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I know. think what's interesting about stand-up comedy is that like the stand-up part of it is is already like doing what 98% of people think is more fearful than death. Right. Like if you manage to be funny one out of five jokes and then you get off the stage, like that's a start. Like that's oh, yeah. something to work with. For your first time, sure. Um, I think what you want to see out of somebody going up for the first time is just some self-awareness and a little bit of discipline. Like they don't go over their time you know, they have respect for everybody else. And there's something like of a point of view, like, okay, I can, I can, the delivery maybe wasn't that great, but like, that's a solid idea. That's a funny idea. You know, this person at least knows what funny is. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, have you seen people who seem to have no idea, like literally no idea? What is that? And what is it, what's it like to experience that? Because I think for people who like, for Kay and me, who's, primary like diet of comedy is people who are like practice professionals. What does it look like to see somebody who's completely out to lunch? I mean, the equivalent of musically tone deaf in comedy. What is that? What is that experience like? You're really just waiting for it to be over. You know, it's more common. You see somebody who is, um, I don't know, like they don't know why the joke did or didn't work. Mm -hmm. Like every once in a while they'll, they'll land one. And they're like, oh, that was great. And then they'll tell the next one expecting the same reaction and it'll fall flat. And, and they just don't know why mm-hmm. it, it worked or didn't work. And I mean, and if you don't, I mean, like I've, I've approached people afterwards. I mean, like, I think this is funny. Am I wrong? <laughs> like what's, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> like I, I really thought, I mean, cause obviously I think everything I say on stage is funny or I wouldn't have said it. Right. But often the audience disagrees. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if if I tell a joke and and it has bombed three times, like or the first three times, I just throw it away. Right. I go, eh, all right. Reading the audience. Yeah. Or even if I'm I, I'm not reading them, I'm just like they're all they've practically signed a petition by that point, <laughs> saying like, don't we don't get it, you know? Because I'm very subtle, I see by the fact yeah. that like you're pulling out pitchforks right now. <laughs> I should not tell this joke again. <laughs> like just dead silence, you know. What is that like, actually? I'm, that's a part that I'm always interested in. Like when you completely bomb, like what is your side of that like? Uh, maybe you don't know. But. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I've, I've probably only completely flopped the whole time twice. And that was, I mean, both cases were just completely my fault, you know. Um, I at least get something most of the time, but I, I also may be delusional. I mean, I hear the laughter as being louder than it really is sometimes. <laughs> when I go back and listen to a recording, I'm like, oh, I thought they got a better laugh. And no, it got maybe some sympathy chuckles. But mm. when I first started hosting at the at the Comedy Catch, I had a harder time just with that audience because just background wise, I, I didn't have um, the same reference points as mm-hmm. they did a lot of times. So, cause I didn't grow up around here. Right. And the younger, you know, the way Chattanooga is, um, most people under 30, it, it feels like have moved here from somewhere else, or at least maybe downtown where I'm at. There's a lot of transplants now. Whereas if you're over, yeah, if you're over 30, chances are you grew up here. 
I mean, cities have their own sense of humor. They, they definitely have their own culture and like things that they think are funny and things that they don't want you to joke about. Like everybody thinks like, Oh, I'm not politically correct. It's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> you, just, you have your things that you don't like joked about, you know? So another thing that I find interesting, I have a couple of friends who do improv in town. Yeah. And the difference between improv and stand up That terrifies me. Yeah. Improv See, is I feel like scary. I'd be more comfortable doing improv. Huh? And I don't really know why. I guess because like preparing for things stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of improv is based on trust. Mm-hmm. And comedians do not and should not trust each other. <laughs> That's also very true. <laughs> you know, it, it, well, cause it's, it's, it's more like, you know, one-on-one combat almost, you know, you're, you're by yourself. And, and that's also the nice thing about it. You don't have to depend on somebody mm-hmm. else. You know, it, like William is like, if you've ever been in a band, you know what it's like to just be like, well, I was on time, you know, <laughs> I practiced, but you know, this guy, you know, never shows up on time, never practices, doesn't make this a priority. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, stand up is a remedy for that because mm-hmm. you can just succeed or fail on your own. Whereas, I really hope Mike O'Malley hears this. <laughs> Mike, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Mike O'Malley, whose birthday it is today, I believe, uh, <laughs> as we're recording this, um, is is, a, is an excellent guy. And I went to Chicago a couple of years ago, and he could not have been a kinder and more thoughtful host. <laughs> I don't know what you're bringing up, William. <laughs> Yeah. For Will, what is your name these days? <laughs> um, no, so improv is, is you have to trust your mm-hmm. team a lot more and, and they work hard at it. You know, they, they practice with each other a lot. And I can tell like the, the folks at Improv Chattanooga who've been doing it a long time, you know, you can really see their total comfort in every scene. Whereas you know, I, I've been meaning to take the classes for a while. It just always conflicts with something else I'm doing. But I know that when I do, like, I'll I'll feel genuine fear on stage <laughs> for, the, for the first time in a while. Do you think it's a totally two totally different skill sets, or is it like a muscle, like like a sort of muscular system where you're like, okay, so I can lift this, and if I work this way, I can probably like also. Yeah, it's probably the muscle thing. I'd say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. No, it depends on... That was a brilliant metaphor. It is. I want to exercise some self-awareness and pat myself on the back for this brilliant metaphor. Surely everybody who's going to be here, this is like, well, that guy just shut up about the muscles. (laughs) No, it it, it just depends on you. Yeah. Some people can do both. And a lot of, a lot of comics do improv to, you know, get better with dealing with, you know, spontaneous things on stage. Yeah. Um, So they're not just at the mercy of their notes. Right. Because if you just have your notes and nothing else when you go up there and you realize halfway through, this just, these are not my people. This is not my crowd. This isn't what they want. They are expecting me to interact with them. Then you can do that more easily. You know who's great with that? Um, was Tracy Morgan. He's like, he has, a, he has, I don't even know. I mean, when I saw him in Miami, I used to work at the improv in, in Miami, which oddly enough, was a stand-up comedy club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the improv, he came one night, and I think he had about 20 minutes of written material in scare quotes. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, just probably that was his prepared act. But he had a 55-minute show. Yeah. And so he would do 20 minutes, and then he would just, like, start looking in the crowd for someone to mock. 
<laughs> and one night, I'll, I'll spare you the story, but one night it was me, which was amazing. <laughs> but, but like, I just remember thinking like, this is, a, I mean, how do you have enough confidence in your skill as a comic that literally you go out there and just throw yourself into the void for more than half of your show every night. Like you must have like some incredible chops to think, yeah, I don't really need to prepare more than 20 minutes and I'm still going to kill. Yeah. I believe Tracy Morgan was probably like that from childhood. Yeah. So So he he probably had just been doing that. Yeah. That wasn't me. Like I actually was not a class clown in school. There was always another class clown, another Tracy Morgan type. Right. Um, who would just dominate the class and what I would try to do. But you were the wind beneath their wings. (laughs) No, no, I just had a different audience. I was always trying to make the teacher laugh. You know, I, audience is everything. That is deep. No, I, I, that's really deep. I I just, I I guess cause you know, the teacher was the biggest nerd in the class. I identified (laughs) high context jokes galore. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, Hey, See your history teacher. You like some history jokes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, here we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, no. Let's play with my jar. Yes, to okay. the jar. Okay. So. Um, there's a jar, an actual jar. Let's play with my jar. Yes. Not, it was not euphemism. No, it, it was definitely a jar. was not. I don't think anyone would think that except <laughs> you. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> anyway, if you've been listening to my show, you know what the jar is. But for new listeners, Ooh. It is. <laughs> it's a mason jar filled with pretty little colorful pieces of paper with like questions and conversation topics and stuff. And we're just going to draw a few and talk about them. So I'll go first. And I've got, if you were a cake, what flavor would you be? A cake? Yes. And we can all answer. Ooh. I was watching a baking tutorial video on YouTube earlier today for a red velvet cake. Mm. And I really want to make a red velvet cake now. So as far as my current mindset, I will say I would be a red velvet cake. It's also my mama's favorite cake. You got something? I've never thought of this before. (laughs) Okay. I'll tell you exactly what kind of cake I would be. I'd be one of those cakes that they take to prison, but it's got a file inside it. <laughs> so they're like, happy birthday. And he's like, thank you. Nom, nom, nom. Late at night, chisel, 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 chisel. Yeah. <laughs> so but, I'm a cake that's also a weapon. Yeah, I was going to say, what kind of cake are you concealing that shiv? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, Bunt. I, I'm, I'm, Bunt. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of carrot cake. Yeah. A bun cake, by the way, would be like the worst cake to conceal a shiv in. It, totally. it turns out. <laughs> it's like, be, what's that file coming right through the middle of the hole? He'd be like, honey, I don't mean to be critical, but I think the point of this escaped you. <laughs> Much like I will not be escaping tonight. Yeah, yeah this is right over everyone's head. Um, I feel like uh, Funfetti. That'd be a good Funfetti cake. Ooh. Like, I, I really like, uh, I like those. I could see that. It's kind of like Fruity Pebbles in a cake. Like yes. you, you cut it open and it's, and, and also it's uneven. Yeah, that's you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say tonight anyway, but that would just prove the point. Hmm. And it didn't need to be said. Funfetti. Funfetti. I've never heard someone say that. It's like sprinkles favorite. inside the cake. That's what I really like no, about we it. No, get it. <laughs> no, but. Never mind. <laughs> All right, Donnie, you next. Okay. You're going to pull chocolate. out a green one. Should have said German chocolate. Okay. <laughs> One thing I'm excited about this summer in nougat is dot, dot, dot. It's to you, Will. Um, 
Isn't there a new music festival in Chattanooga this summer? No. Uh, Moon River. Moon River. In September. But Crap. it used to be in Memphis, and then it outgrew its space in Memphis, so they're bringing it to Chattanooga. Oh, it's an invasive species of music festival. <laughs> Apparently. Yes. Yeah. Nice. But I think the Avit brothers are headlining, or they're one of the big acts. Mm. Yeah. So it's like that type music. Okay. I think like Jonah and the Lion, or whatever that band's called. Judah not, and the Lion? Judah, yeah. Not, yeah. not my genre, but... Gotcha. Yeah, you seem very metal. Um, <laughs> uh, it's the eyeshadow. No, I think it's it's like that's probably my favorite thing. The invasive species of music. Yeah. I mean, I'm being from Florida. Don oh, and I yeah. are both big fans of invasive species. Oh yeah, man, the pythons. Yeah, and the iguanas. <laughs> yep. The gators. There, yeah. there used to be deer around here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They now, got eaten by dinosaurs. That's right. <laughs> um, this I. Again, like the, with the business, I'm just so glad. I'm really excited about getting back from, from my vacation and working <laughs> so I can make money. Uh, no, I'm excited about putting together the other thing I'm going to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah. That yeah. one thing. Should I save that or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. For me, what I'm excited about is Chattanooga football club season. Ooh. Oh. CFC is a ton of fun. I, I know, I know this <laughs> in, in theory. Um, I just feel like me looking down at my phone is their good luck charm. <laughs> like they score as soon as I finally, I'm like, I'm so bored. And I finally look down at my phone and they're like, go! <laughs> I'm like, of course I missed, I missed it. What's your, what's your favorite part about Chattanooga football club, Kate? Cause I mean, you grew up in the deep South. You, probably weren't a soccer fan your whole life. Like, how did this happen? Uh, So my first CFC match was July 4th, 2015, which was three days after I moved to Chattanooga. And it was something I just, like, had completely never experienced before. So for about half the match, I was completely, like, uncomfortable, out of my element, had no idea why I was there. Yeah. But by the end of it, I knew I wanted to go back. So I was like, okay, there's something here that's keeping me like interested in coming back. And honestly, I think part of it was, it was just so new to me that I was intrigued by it and wanted to like know more. And then I kept hearing all the like silly songs, the Chattahooligans hooligans were singing. And I was like, I thought the songs we sang at like tech football games in college were creative. Yeah. And I appreciated the dedication because I grew up being super dedicated to all my sports growing up. And I was like, okay, it's something new. And it, I guess I was just like, Im- not really impressed, but like surprised at how much I was in it. Excuse me, enjoying it. Yeah. So it's the atmosphere. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's certainly a community around it too, mm-hmm. um, with a frighteningly cultish devotion yes. to the team. So that's true. One thousand yeah. <laughs> percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a super good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, first time the first time we came to a game, we were leaving, and uh, and my wife goes. So that's Chattanooga's church. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I was like, yeah, that's it. It is. Uh, it was cultish. Yeah. I mean, In I go way. every Saturday. So, I mean, I, you know, this is not to no judgment entailed. Yeah, no. so I feel like we're in, we're in the deep South. Cults are just a part of our heritage. <laughs> just don't know you're in a cult. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually how it happens. <laughs> it's like, at what point before the Kool-Aid do you know? All right, I'm drawing one. William's turn. 
I'll be interested. We did this one before, but I'll be interested to see what Donnie says. Hands down, the best kind of barbecue is. Oh. William knows my answer. Um, well, I'm going to say whatever the sponsor of this podcast is. Um, <laughs> the best kind of barbecue? Um, I mean, there's, there's nothing like really, really good barbecued ribs. I have to say I haven't really gone out of my way to look around too much here. And so I'm going to sound like an idiot if I say, like, oh, this place has the best ribs. Because I, I don't know. I haven't really looked around. But I'm, you know what? I will say uh, at G's Detroit Sausages, mm. I'd never had this before. They sell uh, turkey ribs. Huh. Wow. Smoked turkey ribs. And normally I'm not a big fan of turkey. It's, it's, I'm not either. It's hard to to make it really good. But this was juicy. There was some, there was some fat on it and mm. it was just, I'd never had anything like it. It went great with the barbecue sauce. And where is this? G's Detroit sausages on MLK. Huh? I'll but have to look for just this. Just a letter G G's. It, it's in the, uh, I don't know. It's, it's North of, or is it North? Oh, whatever. It's it, near Champies. Huh? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about yeah. now. Yeah. Turkey okay. ribs sounds like a really small rib, right? Like, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's is it like buffalo wings where it's not a real thing, but it's like it's just a bunch of meat that looks like a barbecued rib, like a pork rib? Or? I suspect that's what it is because it's about the size of a pork rib. Okay. Yeah. But it, Which, it was if really If there was something. that turkey, right? Like that's, that's terrifying. Terrifying to yeah, think yeah. about. Yeah. So, hey, I'm, I'm proud of my answer. I was, yeah. That was something I'd never had before last week. But do you have a regional loyalty to barbecue, like a, like a particular region that you're... I just... No, I just hate... With all my heart, I hate dry pulled pork. Hmm. Just, I don't get the point of it. There's, there's a place in town. Who, I don't understand why their chicken is so good and juicy uh -huh. and their pulled pork is so dry and borderline inedible. Wow. Wow. I'm a pulled pork aficionado, but I agree. Yeah. Dry pulled pork, nothing ruins pulled pork, mm -hmm. like it being dry. Do you yeah. know the place he's talking about? I don't actually. Mm. Well, I don't know. It's just, uh, I want to narrow it down too much, right, but sure. if you've ever, uh, gone to the, the bar there and the bartender seemed to have only a passing interest in ever getting you a drink, uh, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, have an idea. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about it off air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kate, what about you? I'm from North Carolina. So mm -hmm. pulled pork all the way. Yeah. And I prefer Lexington style. I will eat Eastern style too, but I strongly prefer Lexington style. Yeah, this is a torrent of information. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Florida, so we're just grateful for whatever trickles down there. Yeah. You educated me on this before, but I can't remember what the differences are. So uh, Eastern style is more like vinegar-based, tangy, mm -hmm. like that yeah. type. And Lexington style, the sauces are more like sweeter, smokier, more like ketchup-based. Oh. But they're both smoked pulled pork. And none of this, like, cut with a knife and everything. No, you have to, like, tear it off and pull it. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with Sonny's? Yes. Okay. What's your opinion on Sonny's? It's not real barbecue. <laughs> Shots fired at Jared Hart's face. <laughs> but, but, like, it's funny because that's, I mean, that's what barbecue was to me growing up. And there's a, like, I mean, I have other things and I'm like, oh. I mean, this just shows you, I guess, how what it is to be badly educated. But I grow up and I eat other things. And I'm like, oh, that would be really good with mm -hmm. sunny sauce on it. Yeah. Um, 
I would say, I mean, uh, the best place I've had barbecue is probably Purple Daisy here. I haven't been there yet, but everyone tells me it's good. Yeah, it's, I, it's really good. I had the ribs there. I've had um, some of their uh, pulled pork and and a few a few things there, and I, I've been really happy with everything that I had there. But so I've got two places from this show that I need to go try. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I haven't really had very much barbecue in Chattanooga, honestly. I mean. We moved from Texas and we were just so happy to be in the land of like biscuits and gravy again. But, like <laughs> for basically a year, we've just been eating like as much like fat fried green, you know, everything as we can find. To me, this is a burger town. Like the best mm-hmm. hamburgers that I've ever had are here. All right. So let's open this can of worms. Yeah. Favorite burger in town. Main Street Meats. William. You know, what's weird. I didn't expect. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with with that because I mean, Main Street Meats is it, it really is like on a, on a whole different shelf. But also, I never eat at Main Street Meats because it's like, I don't know, 0.4 miles from my house. And <laughs> that's too far. Um, it's funny. In Dallas, we would drive 45 minutes to something and think nothing of it. But in Chattanooga, I'm like, oh, two blocks. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but I've actually been really surprised by a place on Patton Parkway called Jack Brown's. Oh, yeah. I, I thought I was going to hate that place. I did, too. And then one, like I went there once with Heather Holt. And had like a specialty burger that I wanted to barf. It was so horrible. But <laughs> I went back, but I've gone back. Like, I feel okay saying that because yeah. of what I'm about to say next, which is I've literally gone there like five times in the last two weeks wow. because, like, just the sort of straight up standard double cheeseburger, dry, like, they don't put anything on, just they don't, like, you can't get lettuce and tomato, like, yeah. they'll look at you funny, but just like they just put meat and cheese on a potato bun, I think, from Need Loves or something. And it is like, mouth-wateringly delicious. Like, I, like I, I've been back five times. It's so okay. good. They do crinkle-cut french fries, and I love me some crinkle-cut french fries. And they've mm. got this weird mayonnaise-based orange mm. sauce that just, like, I have dreams about sometimes. It's like, <laughs> it's like if somebody said, like, imagine that, like, the McDonald's commercials, there was, like, a thing, the special sauce that was supposed to go on Big Macs, but if somebody abducted the original special sauce and replaced it with what we've all had, mm-hmm. this is the sauce they abducted. And, like, the, what was supposed to really be the special sauce. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Sweet, orange. Beautiful. It's really good. Okay, I still think you should put your shirt back on, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to try that now. That's yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's great. Uh, Tremont, of course, is the. Yes. Uh, that was the first burger I had in town where I was like, oh man, where has this been all my life? Did um, you have the Tremont burger at. Um, there's a Tremont burger that's not a Tremont. At Feed? That place, yeah. I've had that. You had it? Mm hmm. And? It's, it's Does still it hold good. Up? Yeah. I mean, it's not quite the same as going to Tremont, but right. it's it's pretty close. I don't live on the side of town that Tremont's on, so I don't go as often, but I'm at Feed, like, all the time. Hi, Feed, if you're listening. Yeah. Love you. Sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as a cover tune, it holds up to the original? Yeah, it does. Cool. I get the pimento burger at Tremont Ooh. with bacon, uh, hold the onion straws. It comes with pickles. Yeah. Pickles are really good. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so juicy. You know, cut it in half. It's a, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. That's weird that like to hear how people think of Chattanooga as a as a food, like different kinds of food town because I wouldn't have said that. Of course, I've agreed with everything we've all said. That's but really, my idea. Don't take. It. I wouldn't have called it a burger. <laughs> well, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have called it a burger town. I would have said it's like a you know like a biscuits and gravy you know Craft country beer. fried steak kind of like southern like re- remaking southern food kind of town. But you're right. That burger stuff is everywhere and yeah. they're all good. Well, and I feel like everybody's trying to do the remade Southern food mm-hmm. thing here, you know, or ev- everywhere I go anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I go a lot of places. <laughs> I go outside, go inside. <laughs> uh, Speaking of food, yeah. I have these brownies that I made with the Love Supreme Milk Stout from Heaven and Ale. I think we should all have one. Oh, uh, now we're talking. And a little bit of Colorado green. No, none I'm of that. I was assuming. Nope, this, is, this podcast is rated okay, PG. Okay, if there's no weed in these brownies, <laughs> then why am I high? <laughs> <laughs> you know, eating things is really, it comes across really well on, on audio. Okay, so this is just like a... <laughs> hmm. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Love Supreme. Um, and mm-hmm. Heaven and Ale. That's one of my favorite beers, if not my favorite beer in town. How did how did these brownies come to be, Kate? Like, why so, why this beer? Why the brownies? So, I love to bake. I've been working on my brownie recipe. I made a batch of beer brownies back in the fall with a pumpkin beer. And then shortly after I made those, I had the Love Supreme for the first time. And it's a milk stout. And the first time I tasted it, I was like, wow, this tastes just like brownie batter. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I thought that, my brain just started like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And I'd been thinking about it. And I was like, no, I want to get my recipe right so I can like make them perfect in the way they deserve to be. Right. And then I went down to Heaven and Ale, I guess last weekend. And I was I leaned over and was like, hey, Sarah, I have a food blog. And I'm doing recipes with local products and ingredients. And I'd love to make a batch of brownies with the Love Supreme and give y'all a batch and do some like marketing for y'all or like social media posts and stuff like that. And she was just like, hang on a sec. And she like gets her phone out and texts the owner. And then five minutes later, she's filling a growler for me. That's awesome. I mean, it's a really outstanding beer. I mean, I I drink a lot of milk stouts, which is I mean, it makes the summer a really unbearable time because (laughs) it's just not a very stouty season. I mean, there's everywhere you go, people are like trying to shove like grapefruit enhanced pale stuff in my face. Yeah. And uh, saying the word infused way too often. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like this word ended in the Middle Ages. No one said it again until pale ale. And now it's like, oh, I've infused it. But I want stouts. And so, I, I mean, there's a lot of really great ones around here, but I feel like I love Supreme was um, I actually just had it today and I had it right before we had the odd story one. Mm -hmm. And I found myself like really struggling to pick a favorite because, Mm -hmm. uh, the odd story one has the spice in it, but man, it was like the, I love Supreme. It's so well named in a way because like, it is just like, I mean, it, it's like a saxophone solo. It really just so replaces all the love you're not currently getting, which is a lot (laughs) supreme amount. Um, but it was, it was so just, I don't mean, I'm not the kind of guy who can review a beer very well. Cause like, I just don't have the terminology for it, but it just like blankets your throat and just sort of hangs mm-hmm. out there and like, you know, tells you everything is going to be okay. <laughs> and this summer is not going to be like the last season of ever. Like hey, a serious question. How are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk, where's, we'll talk where's, later. We'll where's talk the, after. Where's the black couch? I'm, I'm going to lie down on it. So how do they know that really, like how do they know that you didn't just take the growler drink it and then make some Duncan Hines brownies <laughs> and be like, Hey, check it out. And they're like, well, oh, these are pretty Nobody good. Nobody does it like Sarah Lee. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to make a batch for them and take it back to them and make some recipe cards. Presumably they will know. Okay. Yes. 
Because that's so, a great way just to get a free growler <laughs> of beer. Like, I'm going to make this. I'm gonna Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, how, Kay, how did you get the idea to start recipeing with, like, local stuff? I don't really know. It was just, like, one of those things that I thought about. I was at Wildflower Tea Shop a few weeks ago because I'll work there a couple times a week. And they have a lavender Earl Grey that is just phenomenal. And I've been on a London Fog kick. And my kitchen is, like... For like a year now, you've been on this kick, right? Yeah, like it's, it's been a while, <laughs> at least as long as I've known you. But I just got this idea because like the kitchen is a, like my second creative space. And I just like to play and experiment with different things. Mm-hmm. And I tried some, I tried London Fog macarons and they didn't really turn out the way I wanted. And I tried to like infuse the tea and all that. And I was like, okay, well, I still want to do a London Fog flavored something, but the macarons not the way to do it. And I still had all this loose leaf tea left. So I made cupcakes and did London Fog cupcakes with like a, a honey buttercream frosting or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I need to make this a thing. Mm-hmm. And I took like pretty pictures and I posted them on Instagram and I tagged and all of that. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to keep trying this and just see, excuse me, see where it goes. Yeah. So I'm going to try a couple more things with tea. I'm going to, I did the beer brownies. I'm going to try a couple other like beer recipes. I really want to do like a peach cobbler with chat whiskey in it. Ooh. And then I've just got like some other ideas. I do a really good moon pie banana pudding. Donnie, are you able to wash windows with like only local soap products? <laughs> If there are exclusively local soap products, <laughs> they're probably not like dish liquid. No. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to guess no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't, is Dow Chemical a local company? <laughs> I feel like it could be. There's there's this trailer like not far from Apartment where I'm pretty sure they're making some local soap. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, All ears. Yeah. 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 Hit me up, man. Reach. <laughs> reach out. Hey, trailer. Reach out to Donnie. <laughs> New view four two three on Instagram. <laughs> Bingo. I need to check that Instagram. <laughs> Oh, it's doing. Uh, if you want to make, there's going to be like forty death threats on it tonight. Like. If you want to make him twitch, just say like, yeah, I have an Instagram. I never use yeah. it. <laughs> I'll post on it. It's, it's okay. It's not, it's not a problem. It's okay. It's a guy who does social media for a living. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Don't even get me started on social media, pet peeves. I have a list. No, please. Oh, gosh. <laughs> all right. Just one. I'm What's like your trouble. biggest one? People who put links in Instagram copy. They uh, don't work. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> you can't click on them. That's true, Donnie. Is that so? <laughs> I was, I'm not kidding. I was specifically told to put a ticket link for a copy. No, 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 because you can't even like copy and paste it. You can't click on it and you can't copy and paste it. So there's literally no reason to put a link in Instagram copy. That's mm. why no one comes to my shows. <laughs> it's not because I'm not funny. <laughs> I knew it couldn't be that. Oh, that's right. right the whole time. That's Johnny right. just that's had right, a revelation. <laughs> Take right, that audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 your Instagram strategy. That's, that's totally it. That's the block in your comedy career. It's the only thing that's been holding me back. <laughs> um comedy career. Is there uh, anything happening in the comedy scene? Uh yes. Let's uh, talk about that. I can give you the whole rundown of 
shows that uh, take place, but I'm going to be honest. If you just look up Chattanooga Comedy or uh, go to the um, Facebook account, Comedy 423, mm-hmm. that kind of has everything on it. Uh, Bridget Martin runs the open mic at the Comedy Catch, and she's finally, and I say finally, not because it was her job, but because somebody should have been doing it <laughs> <laughs> this whole time. I mean, she documents basically every single mm-hmm. comedy show that, you know, like doesn't take place at the Tivoli or something right. like that. I so, just started following that recently. She's doing a great job. Yes, she is. Um, and it's, so everything involving Improv Chattanooga, the Comedy Catch, uh, JJ's, the Honest Pint, uh, the Palace Theater, and uh, just any place that has a, you know, a comedy presence or mm-hmm. like comedy shows that take place there, she'll keep you up to date with those. Please keep doing that, Bridget. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're doing God's work. <laughs> yes. And um, but the thing that I, I, I mean, I'm putting together and have been working on for the past two years is Lookout Comedy Festival, which will take place in October. And uh, I had an agent tell me last year, he said, first year festivals scare me to death. You guys never know what you're doing. You make a ton of mistakes, you make a lot of assumptions, and it's just a nightmare. So, like, don't call me back. I won't say who he represents, but he was like, don't call me back until you have a sack of money. Do you have a sack of money right now? And I was like, no, I don't have a sack of money, literally. And <laughs> he was like, okay, well, you can tell he definitely thought he would never speak to me again. Right. And it was funny how like abrasive he was being, but he was probably the single most helpful person I talked to because I was like, okay, well, he just chewed me out and told me everything I need to get in order and... um it was it was really good, and then I as I've talked to other like bookers and agents since then, they're all like, "Oh, he's hilarious!" Yeah, <laughs> that's how he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, October eleventh through thirteenth. Well, actually, tenth through thirteenth. We've we've added a show on the Wednesday of that week. But the main venues for it will be uh, right now. I mean, unless we throw something else on, which is a possibility, but for sure the venues that uh, have committed are honest pint, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, people think of like, well, that's more of a music venue or, you know, Irish pub, but they actually hosted Doug Stanhope and Kyle Kinane, who are both very established comics uh, two years ago. And so they've had a lot of success with comedy in the past and they currently uh, host an open mic on Mondays. But uh, and then the Palace Theater, which is right down the strip from there, uh, the Comedy Catch, which is you know for thirty years it's been you know it's like Chattanooga's longest standing comedy club. Those folks have made a living off of comedy in Chattanooga since Chattanooga was like much much smaller, and they've brought a lot of comics here um, who are huge. You know, back when they were small and like and then back again later. And then uh, JJ's Bohemia, and we just uh, got Improv Chattanooga. They're going to be a really big part of it. Oh, awesome! Now. Um, they are. You, are you familiar with the Improv versus Stand Up show? Uh, I've heard about it, but I've never been. So this is every comic's favorite show that I know because there are five comics who just do um, you know five to seven minutes a piece, but then the improv players do a set based on that. Like oh, they that's do a, so cool! They do a scene based on that, which I felt really bad about the first time because like I strictly did a a bit where like I played a character, like just basically a bad sex ed character (laughs) telling like the history of sex from 4004 BC until last weekend. (laughs) And, um, and I just like stammered my way through it. And then I wasn't really thinking about the fact like, Oh, these poor people have to then act something out based on that. And they do, what did they do? 
Oh, oh man. man. Uh, they like enact vignettes from history. Uh, there was a there was a little bit of an Adam and Steve thing uh, <laughs> that they did. Um, they're uh, yeah yeah they 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 basically took different <laughs> things from like different civilizations. That, oh man. Um, that that I talked about, but I mean because they're really good at keeping it you know around PG PG thirteen, and I I just taken them into some very dangerous waters, <laughs> but uh, they did they did a great job and. Um, they, that's a that's a monthly show, and we're going to be having that uh, every night of the festival. Oh, that's awesome. going to be how how it ends. I've, go I've seen late. this show; it really is amazing. Like, I mean, I, because I saw him with a great comic, Elijah, mm-hmm. and and he was he was outstanding, like yeah. usual. Uh, Elijah, by the way, like he, he you were talking about looking at cards before. He's made a bit out of that where like he doesn't actually like have a card, mm-hmm. but he like looks at his hand. <laughs> As it, and like kind of stares at it like it's someone else's hand for a minute and kind of like flips it upside down and then he'll just like say something that he like it's a great bit mm-hmm. but the funny thing is they actually included that bit in their send up of mm-hmm. him oh wow like, like they were talking like there was one scene where they were driving and they were like looking at street signs and he's like what's the speed limit and the other guy's like I don't know and he like looks at his hand <laughs> <laughs> was, I mean it was like so clever to, I mean they, they literally put that together like it, you know within 20 seconds after his set was over I mean it's a brilliant show mm-hmm. uh, I mean so I mean I watched it and I mean I was kind of breathtaking. And also there were like also a really bad comic there that night and they did and, and they rescued that bad comic. Oh, um, bless them. and I mean, it was by the end. I mean, I was just, we were, everybody is laughing like crazy at the comic who of course <laughs> is taking credit, you know, of course. as if that, as if they had made this great, you know, thing for them. But it really was just like these incredibly brilliant and super fast people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they will make you realize, or they make me realize what a bad listener I am, <laughs> because they're just like, oh yeah, they'll they'll take that thing. I'm like, I forgot about that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Donnie's like, what's your name again? <laughs> Too close to home. <laughs> Too close to home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be. I mean, I'm looking for sponsors right now, but um, you know, the first year of the festival is really just about proving that we can support it mm-hmm. here and also that, you know, I can administrate something like this without <laughs> right. screwing it up. So it's really like starting my business all over again. I'm just mm-hmm. trying not to do anything illegal <laughs> and I'm trying not to let anyone down, you know, right. I want to make sure that the comics, the venues, the audience, you know, and the sponsors all have such a good time that they're like, well, there's no way you're not doing this again next year. Right. How are you getting comics for this? I'm really just reaching out to people I know mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, I will be reaching out to one comic who I've actually never worked with before and never seen, but he's come so recommended and he's just been, uh, we've just been two ships passing in the night. We just never run into each other, but I can't say who because he may blow me off. I don't know. <laughs> or, he, right. or he may be booked that weekend for all I know, but um it's it's either you know just people I have already seen and I'm huge fans of already, or occasionally just some people where I'm like oh wow I didn't know I could get them but mm-hmm. you know so but the first year it, it'll be people from I mean like we're right between Nashville and Atlanta and there's so much talent not just here but you know in those two big hubs mm-hmm. and Nashville I mean Atlanta gets a lot of credit for how you know, much comedy they have and for good reason but Nashville. You know, people think of it as as a music city, obviously, maybe because that is what they've chosen to call themselves, but (laughs) they have a ton of really good comedy there. Uh, The Zanies Club there is uh, is really nice. Didn't Um, you play that club? 
Not yet. No. Um, I, I went there to visit. I went there for a brunch show last month, uh, because Laura Peak and Brad Sativa run that show and they're, they're hilarious. They are have there, no right to be as good as they are. Already. <laughs> um, do you have any comics lined up that you can go ahead and say? Hmm. Well, no one you're going to know, um, <laughs> but, uh, are you yeah. actually performing at this thing? Yes, but not very much, honestly, because it's just two different sides of my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, every time I've put a show together and I put myself on it, I did not perform that well because the whole run up to my set, I was just worried about how the rest of the show was going. So it's really better for me to mostly set the table for other people and then them to have a good time and hopefully owe me a favor afterwards. You know? <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it'll be, um, it'll be good. I mean, there's just, there's so many great comics who have, who are like right on the, the, the cusp, I guess they're like four or five years away from having a Netflix special mm-hmm. and they have an excellent half hour. Maybe awesome. they don't have an excellent hour yet, but I'm not asking them to do an hour. You know, mm-hmm. I'm asking them to do 15 to, to 30 minutes over the course of the festival. And we're going to do something where, like at the Comedy Catch, where every comic who's there that night, on the, the first night of the stand-up portion, is going to do one minute oh, on nice. stage. So if you're at that show, you can say, okay, I've never heard of that person before, but I liked them. And then you have the, like the program in front of you and you can see where they're going to be performing later on. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you can just go like, oh, wow. You know, Natasha Ferrier is really funny. That's a name who, (laughs) 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 Um, Natasha Ferrier really liked her. When is she going to be, you know, going on later? And so you can sort of pick three or four and, you know, almost check it off like a Chinese takeout menu. (laughs) 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 I want to show with this, 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 and this on it. Oh, that's so cool. So where on the internet can we find more info about, is it the Lookout Comedy Festival? That's, go to Mm lookoutcomedyfestival.com. And that, I mean, it's, it's a nicely designed, but fairly bare bones website right now. Gives you the venues and uh, there's an email link where, I mean, you can just email, it goes straight to me. And then there's also the, we have the Facebook page up right now for Lookout Comedy Festival. And you can look both of those up and please follow Lookout Comedy Festival I will have the Instagram up shortly. <laughs> <laughs> he just shot William this death glare. <laughs> no, I just know a lot of people who are way better at social media than I am are always like on my case. Like when are you come on, when's it coming? <laughs> hey buddy. So, but yeah, please. And, and you know, again, my name is Donnie Marsh, D O N N I E Marsh. You it's the way that I'm reaching out to these comics is just on Facebook. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And just say, hey, it's been a couple of years since I've seen you. Would, uh, would you like to be a part of this? Mm-hmm. And most of the time they say yes. And Has there been pretty wide support in the community that you are, like the, the comedy community? People into this and they like the idea? Uh, too much, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's, like, I guess the question is, why wouldn't it have happened before? Is it, is it really just the, the case that like we were just waiting on somebody who was both a stakeholder in the community and had the skill to put it on? Is that the deal? That's... Uh, that's a high vocab way of putting it. Yeah. Um, no, what's it's, a low vocab way of putting it. Um, had money wanted to bad enough, <laughs> not afraid to look dumb. <laughs> um, I mean the, the thing that I'm breaking off the, the first year, I, I honestly, I could, I could, if I have to, I could pay for it myself. So right. I'm not, 
taking on something where it's like, oh man, you should edit this out. So none of the other <laughs> comics hear that, right? <laughs> no, they, I mean the, the ones, the ones here, I mean, they all know, but you know, cause I've broken up a little bit at a time. I couldn't afford to pay for, you know, the website and advertising in the same year, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like I just couldn't. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to, I mean, again, like I'm losing money anytime I take time to do something else. So I'm like today I didn't work as much as I could have because I was messaging a bunch of people and locking down headliners and, you know, some of the <clears throat> openers and things like that. So, and clearing up misconceptions <laughs> that we had over some of the venues. So, um, well, that's fantastic. I'm excited for that. Thank you. Yeah. You'll see, you'll see some, you know, ads and, and more promotions coming out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I also host a monthly show called chat talk tonight. Oh yes. Which is Chattanooga's only late night talk show that starts at 9 p.m. <laughs> it's a hey, that's late for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a live talk show. It's the third Thursday of every month at the Palace Theater. And uh, this past episode, we had uh, animals from the Chattanooga Zoo, just like a real late night talk show. Yeah. They <laughs> scared me. And um, it's we have uh, local comics playing uh, various characters from throughout history. There's oh, that's a, fun. There's a theme every uh, every month and the next one is the arts Ooh! and so we have William Shakespeare Ooh! Uh, we have a modern art and pop culture critic <laughs> and we have uh, the naked lady from every renaissance painting <laughs> <laughs> huge get always that one yeah yeah she's the same one every time I assume yeah. <laughs> probably a good chance but yeah man I, I don't know how you cleared her busy schedule well she's pretty free these days yeah <laughs> She's dead. <laughs> Shame if something happened to her. <laughs> and on that note, I believe we will wrap this up here. But this has been a fantastic 10th episode of the podcast. Thank y'all both so much. Do y'all have any last things you want to plug? Mm, just please, please be my friend on Facebook. Yeah, follow, Don, follow Donnie on Facebook. It's, it's, uh, he, uh, he put a post up there today that had 45 <laughs> likes as really of last check. <laughs> really took off. I yeah. can't wait to look and see how many it has now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was a real rib tickler. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm 37. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I am the baby. <laughs> All right. I'm actually going to wrap this up now. This has been episode 10 of the Nougat Bell podcast. Thanks y'all so much for listening. 